the red hot one win streak Chicago Bears three and seven juggernauts take on the Detroit Lions in Motown this weekend. But how are these Bears doing going into the game? What should you be paying attention to inside this Detroit matchup? And what does the rest of the season hold for these Chicago Bears? Nick and I are going to break everything down for you on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog, here as always with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys, and this is Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast where we talk about everything Chicago Bears all the time, from as, as into the position as we think anybody's willing to listen to. But right, right. how are you doing, Nick? How's your week been? Uh, well, I mean, good. I mean, the Bears won... Uh, we got good news today. You know, Justin Fields, Nate Davis are back. Kari Blassingamer back. Um, you know, and, and as we ended our last episode, Super Bowl, right? Like, let's let's get the momentum going. Let's every let's, let's every going. time, every time the Bears win a game, you can feel the fan base turn straight back into Super Bears Super Bowl. I mean, I'll tell you what, Nick. I'm not. I definitely am not saying that it's the same. Cross your fingers, it's not the same, but this is very reminiscent of beating the pants off of a Raiders team and then turning around the next week and saying, don't we think nine and a half points is a little too high of a spread <laughs> going yeah. into Los Angeles? And I don't want to relive that game. But, right. but well, it's, it's like the beginning of the year, too. Like we we had the hope and then the Green Bay game, like, wah, you know, right. like it's just every time you have the hope, they, they cut us down. But. Hey, a chance. And the good news is, is that no matter what happens for the rest of the season, the Bears are going to come out with some legitimate positives. And I mean, we could we've got plenty of those to talk about as we mm-hmm. go through the show. But yeah. to kick things off. OK, so do you want to start with the trivia question that you came yeah, with? Yeah. So, yeah, so like I, I've had fun with this and like some people have said they liked it. So I had a different one for you. I love it in terms of. Not a trivia question, but this is just what's Robert's opinion. So we we know, you know, our favorite Bears team ever. My favorite Bears team ever is the 85 Bears. Okay. Now I know it's different era, but if Robert could pluck one of the 85 Bears and and again, just for like, let's say this season, let's not talk about, you know, like, you know, sure, their career. Sure. Like this season, you could take an 85 bear and put them on for the rest of this year. Which 85 bear would you take? Uh, so I've I've been thinking about this since you asked me. And there's so many different directions that you could go with this question. And I mean, I feel sinful from a bear's perspective passing on Walter Payton. But the bears are pretty solid at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my eyes immediately go to whether it's Dent or McMichael. More than likely, especially because here's a question. Do you mean a player from the 85 Bears or do you mean I get that guy's season? Like the the 1985 season as let's go 1985 season if you want. I think it's Dent. I the 17 sacks that he had. Like if you told me that the Bears got to rock with Richard Dent and Montez Sweat and Andrew Billings, I don't care if Justin Jones or Grimond Dexter is playing. I think that defensive line starts to bake. And if anything, I think that maybe Richard Dent turns around and he goes, wait, did you say this is the future? Why are we running this defense? But that's a separate conversation. Yeah. I actually looked into the, the sizes of the guys because, you know, like the errors right, and stuff. Right. That, that's 6'5", 265. Like he would be not bad in this He'd era. He'd be a defensive end. 
Like, yeah. and it, it could so be the me. only other one I thought of, and and also, you know, R.I.P. Walter. If if you're oh, looking man, in the yeah. screen, everybody, the video right here, I'm pointing. This football is from me at age, I believe, four. I met Walter Payton. Oh my god! When he was race car driving, and that's an autograph of him. So I put, I have that. You know, we have our backgrounds of stuff, but like, you know, I got to put sweetness up. So it was cool. That's incredible. I mean, I, I don't remember a ton. I remember his hands were like ginormous. You know, I'm a right. little kid and he gave me a piece of candy and I never ate the piece of candy because it's not a regular piece of candy. It's a piece of candy Walter Payton gave me. Exactly. So, never ate that. But anyways, I, I don't think I would pick him either. It came down to me either Dent or I thought about Dan Hampton because Dan mm -hmm. Hampton was Hall of Famer disruptive. He'd be in the middle with Billings to, you know, again, run defense and that push from the interior, which you think is more this era. But I think I would stick with Dent because it's such a difference of like who we're playing at the other end right now versus right. who we're playing at the other D tackle right now. Like it's a big difference. Exactly. Not to mention Dent just had such a, I mean, I, I was not alive to watch the 85 Bears season, so I don't know them more intimately than their statistics, but I know Richard Dent, if memory serves, Dent's the one who ended up becoming a straight up legend on both the Bears and also the Buccaneers, right? Like what, Hall what, of Famer. He's uh he was the Super Bowl MVP. Right. So when you so, think about like a defensive guy being the Super Bowl MVP, and like in that season, I was I was like I was born in 85, Robert. But anyways, <laughs> so I, I don't remember it, but I watched a ton of games. Like Wilbur Marshall was super disruptive. Right. So was Singletary. Singletary's obviously amazing. You know, Leslie like, Frazier um, had himself a phenomenal year. Yeah, like, like like Jimbo Covert, like you could add like whatever. But like I'm just thinking of like who would make the biggest difference? It's gotta right. be Dent. It's gotta be Dent. And yeah. speaking of defense, okay, like say what you will about competition. I think that's a conversation worth having. Yeah. But the Bears defense has had a good couple of weeks, especially yeah. compared to what they have been. Do you? I know you've got some stats here. You want me to read yeah. them? Do you want to read them? So, no, no, I got it. So, so the again, Bears defense, we've already been excited about Andrew Billings, but I think the rest of them are coming along. And I don't know if this is, you know, you talked about opponents or like our secondaries healthy, but we've been good against the run, but I don't think everyone knows the rest of these numbers. So I stole this one. I, I don't know. It must, maybe it was like John Johns or, it's or somebody, but the past six weeks, the Bears are three and three, which is awesome. And here's where they rank among defenses from those six weeks. Run defense first. Pass defense, 19th. Total yards, 6th. Third down percentage, 12th. Explosive play rate, 1st. Team defense EPA, which, you know, expected points above average, big right? 5th. 5th best defense over the last six weeks. And, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, we'll talk about the lines coming up here. But there's one other thing I want to add in terms of a stat. So the defense is crushing it. But like in terms of this season, hasn't gone how we want it to. And 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 do you know how to say Brendan's last name? Uh, I just always take a guess. Uh, is Sugre. But yeah, I mean, I mean, super nice guy. I follow him. Awesome. He's great. He put out this chart, and it's um from someone else, and it's it's the net win probability added or taken away from a team based on a lot of like luck factors. And so like they have like dropped interceptions by opponents versus caught interceptions. Um, Fumble recoveries versus they didn't get the fumble recovery. You know, field goals made missed, dropped passes, not dropped passes by your own team, or they didn't drop them, et cetera. The Bears, Robert, third unluckiest team in the NFL. That's bad, too. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you think like that takes away wins. Like we talk about, remember last year, like all of the bad things that happened when fields and the offense were close, like drop passes or non-PIs or whatever. I mean, again, this year, third unluckiest team. So you got to think the defense is rolling. We've been unlucky. Things got to bounce our way at some point, Rob. Well, it's so funny because then you look at something like dropped interceptions, and I, I want to tackle all of this, but yeah. I'm trying to take notes on myself, and I need to just take one point at a time. So let's start with this. Right. Sure. The if there's something that hasn't helped either Fields or Bajan is that the interceptions that they have thrown are, are kind of lollipops. Like if we were going to point a finger, it's that sometimes you look at dropped interception and that means uh, that could mean Josh Allen rips a fastball over the middle and it clanks off the receiver's hands, flies up in the air. The defender leans backwards and almost makes a superhuman NFL catch. But, oh, he just barely can't hang on and the ball hits the ground. No, the Bears are just throwing at the guys and they're throwing right at him, too. In at yeah. least the cases that we've seen, the Bajan interceptions that we saw over the last couple of weeks, you could argue maybe he gets some bad luck on the one to Darnell Mooney that bounces off Darnell Mooney's shoulder. He was never open against the Chargers. And mm. uh, what was it? Derwin James picks it off. Yep. But then on the other side, Nick, I mean, um, Bajan sure catches a break that the underneath linebacker tipped that ball that the corner was jumping in front of on the first third down of the game against Carolina, didn't he? So yeah, I mean that one. Well, even even in that Chargers game, he threw a, a dig right to, to Moore. He had yep. no business. They got tipped, or else we got picked by the guy behind him. So yeah, there, there's a little luck, but like you factor that in, that shows you how unlucky we've been if we consider that lucky it's totally true like the bears haven't gotten this crazy amount of bounces i can't help but feel like the game film is a little more neutral but neutrals as far as i'll go i'm not about to say that the bears have gotten lucky unlike yeah. a certain team in second place that wears you know green and yellow that is always on the top of every first down allotted by penalties and now a net win probability added chart i don't know what the packers do to somehow just I have mean, the football gods on their side. But this is every year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and I mean, we're not talking about penalties either. But so if people are wondering what the number is, so the Packers are plus. So there's obviously like zeros that, you know, NFL average. They are plus 86.2% added win probability based on these factors. And Chicago is negative 91.9%, which is like that's more than 100 gap and right? speaking of you want to tell the people what takes up almost half of that negative 91.9 gap for chicago which category was it dropped interceptions that no it, no it's fumble recoveries it's fumble recoveries right. and i think of the one remember tg edwards on the sideline they didn't give to us yes i also wonder if this is just a net average of how many fumbles are supposedly forced per side because the bears mm. have fumbled or the Bears have fumbled quite a normal amount of times, if you ask me. DJ Moore's fumble, oh, that's too bad, right? The fumble that we saw from Tyson Bajant, a couple fumbles from Justin Fields, but they've forced nearly no fumbles when you think about it. Like, right. I am actually pretty surprised that every running back that's played the Bears has managed to hang on to the ball this consistently, but mm -hmm. hey, I guess that's that. That's how football go, right? And, and this is supposed to the hits philosophy, You'd think they would be peanut punching the ball out a lot more than that. You so, should think so. But so, did, do you have any thoughts? I guess on on the defense in terms of just you know the game last week or lately? I'm glad you asked. I was going to work right back there myself. I I feel like the Bears are catching a so a lot of these Bears statistics that you mentioned: run defense, burst in the league, explosive play percentage, 
first in the league. Total yards, sixth in the league. Totally defensive EPA, fifth in the league. These are awesome. I can't help but think that the ones that are really, really, really high, Nick, are a nice hat tip to the fact that the Bears have played one offense that could reasonably exploit them over the last six, and that's okay to say. Like, mm-hmm. when you run into not a buzzsaw, and I mean, like, not Mahomes, not Allen, not what the whole, honestly, the whole AFC looks like. I'm glad the right. Bears are not an AFC team right now. Right. But getting past that, Nick, it's like, we we can debate whether these numbers carry, like, a ton of weight, but I don't feel like that's the point. And it's not the point you're making. The Bears' defense did get a lot better. They have been much more consistent. And if you mm-hmm. don't have a quarterback and a receiver group that can exploit what the Bears are going to give you because i still don't think the bears defensive scheme is amazing but you're getting more guys that are executing and the talent that's on the bears defense yes bears fans i said the talent that's on the bears defense is starting to beat up on teams that can't handle them montez sweat lived in bryce young's head the entire Mm -hmm. game jalen johnson had a very nice game kyler gordon had a very nice game Mm -hmm. jack sanborn has been some of the most surprising addition by subtraction as the mike linebacker for the chicago bears in tremaine edmonds absence as i think any of us would have expected even the biggest tremaine edmonds hater probably didn't see sanborn playing this much better than him when he stepped into the role and Mm -hmm. and i don't want the conversation about well, they've just played a bunch of bad teams to take away from the fact that the Bears' defensive players look pretty talented. And if anything, Nick, to me, I can't help but look at this and say, why did they, why did getting these guys to play this defense this quick take this long? Like, yeah. September was just so bad. Like, the it Bears was. could have very easily been two and two, and they probably needed to be just Mm -hmm. given with the season that we wanted to see. But Mm -hmm. I don't want to dwell on that more than anything, Nick. I can't help but look at a lot of this defensive improvement as a great sign of the status of the roster going forward. But here's a question I'll ask you. Do you want to dig into the scheme stuff? Because every time I turn on the tape, I'm still disappointed by what they run. I'm just happy it's working out for them in some cases. Yeah, it's working out in some cases. I, the, you know, your point of like, did they play anybody on offense? Reminds me of when Justin Fields had the back-to-back four touchdown pass games, right. and people were like, "Well, it's bad defenses." It's like good teams do that to bad teams, right. and it's like, how long have the Bears been the bad team and not be able to do that to other teams? So, like, let's take this as a victory because this is what you should do in terms of the scheme stuff. I mean, yeah, on on tape, like again, like. You want them to be more aggressive. And there's still things, even despite the good numbers, like that they do, don't do right. Watching that Jaquan Brisker play from all 22 yep. was even worse Way because worse. when you watch, he goes and gets inside leverage and Eddie Jackson's like so close. He, they might be able to slap hands and he has help there. Why not take his outside and Eddie could take his inside? Like right. it's just not knowing your field awareness. There's things there. Be more aggressive, I think, and not hanging back in these zones that I think they're getting better, but the scheme-wise, you just want to be more aggressive. So, okay, um, have you ever played soccer? Uh, specifically, Nick, have you ever played soccer goalie? I Ooh, good question. One of my buddies played on a semi-pro team, or sorry, a pro team here in Wisconsin. He was on the reserve team, 
And he's in all these indoor leagues. And he's like, hey, Nick, we don't have anyone to play goalie for indoor. Can you do it? I'm like, sure. See ball, stop ball. Oh, my gosh. Those oh, are some rockets. They're rockets. And more importantly, I bet you learned really quickly, didn't you, that if you just stand on the goal line, it is nearly impossible to stop any shot. You have to challenge the ball. You have to come yes. forward. Here's, yes. here's the football metaphor I'm making. Your positioning matters. And what frustrates me about what the Bears are doing, could I complain about the fact that they're heinously predictable on if it's third and seven or longer, we're calling cover two or Tampa two. If it's third and six or shorter, we're getting a man coverage look, right? If it's first and 10, it's probably cover three. Which one's the one where the safety darts down? Is that sky? Uh, yeah, like I call it sky or sun when I was in college. It doesn't right. matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. But the point is, is that like I could give you the Bears call sheet with disturbing accuracy, which bothers me because the big problem is when Jaquan Brisker ends up one on one on a slot that moves over, despite the fact that we have a DB on the field in Kyler Gordon, his whole goal is to stop slot receivers. But yes. instead, we're going to have Jaquan Brisker try to match feet with a slot receiver going vertical from 15 yards away. This is like sitting your goalie on the goal line, taking a yep. huge shot from 20 yards out and saying, well, you're going to make the save, right? That's incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest brisker and deep coverage lover. Like, I'm not going to go to bat for the guy's skill set. But Nick, you take a look at the Vikings defense. You take a look at what Spagnola is doing with the Chiefs. You take a look at, honestly, what we're seeing the Bills try to do with whatever's left of like the unit that they started the season with. And a lot of these defenses are putting guys in, in positions where they have more natural leverage, in positions where they can make a play a little bit easier than some of the nearly impossible plays we see the Bears have to make. Like that that play, I'm sure you you remember it, where the Bears called, again, that cover three sky look. They had Brisker dart direct in front of Tyreek Stevenson, and the Panthers saw it. They were like, Brisker's side. Okay, so then we're going to just have Tyreek Stevenson's man run straight across the field, and he gets like, Five yards open. And yes. if Montez Sweat didn't get in Bryce Young's face immediately, he might have scored. Because yeah. there's just no way Tyreek's going to be able to keep up with that guy from mm. a seven-yard off-coverage cloud position. Oh, and and it, he got picked, too. And, he, and the natural pick. And yep. to me, the Bears are just giving these away. We've talked mm. about this all year, where the Bears allow you to line up whoever you want against whoever you want and the bears will even tell you that you've got a free release and then you do and there's now, yes now here's the thing i'm going to challenge you on this please do i think it's getting better though because well one the numbers tell us it's getting better that wasn't initially totally. to start the year and they are blitzing more so it's not as absolutely sitting back wherever they're being more aggressive i just think we want to be a little bit more aggressive and varied that's right? that's why I keep talking. I, I, it's why I keep trying to mention that like the talent is just outplaying some of these situations where you'll see Jalen Johnson just mega read his man and pick out what his route is going to be, get the clamps on him and shut the thing down. There were multiple times against Carolina where Jalen Johnson was one on one against Adam Thielen for option routes. You should win an option route. 
If you're an yeah. NFL receiver, you should win an option route. You, you, well, do, do you want to go in depth on option routes, like what they are? So uh, basically, uh, everybody imagine most of the time you're going to see an offense run this from like a bunch set or a trip set. So you're going to have either two or three receivers in an area. Two guys are going to clear out a bunch of space for a receiver who then has the option to go in like a literal in route, a slant route or an out route. Sometimes there are other options. Maybe somebody can run like a slot fade. It depends on what the route combination is. But most of the time, I've seen in, slant, out. And the whole goal is that the receiver is going to skip off the line that you, you, it bears fan. If you've been around for a little while, Tariq Cohen ran a million of these as a halfback option. And then they would have Allen Robinson run a billion of these for Mitch Trubisky on third down. And the receiver is going to skip off the line and then he's going to read the DB's leverage and he's just going to make that DB wrong. And all the Mm -hmm. quarterback has to do is hit the back of his drop and throw when he sees the man head turn. That's it. Alan Thielen never separated on any of these. (laughs) Like, I mean, none of them. And you're supposed to win so much of these. Like you should win probably 80% of those because you're running to green grass and better leverage. Like you should win. Good player execution the coaches definitely get some credit for this. Like I'm not trying to strip the coaches of any credit, no matter how much sometimes I think I'd like to Nick separate conversation. It's more to say that, let me ask you, Nick, if you were an offensive coach watching this defense, would you say, wow, this defensive scheme is a tough nut to crack. Or would you circle 33 and say, this guy is on fire right now. And we need to watch out we need to watch out for the player, not so much how are we going to crack this code. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, we talked about this, I think, on past episodes where, like, if I was an offensive coordinator, the only way I would target Jalen Johnson would be down the field because mm-hmm. he gets grabby and he's not the fastest guy. And then I would target Stevenson for sure. As and teams I'm, do. <laughs> and I would probably run – uh, outside zone away from Montez Sweat and cut him. Those would be like the three things I would do. Mm-hmm. And avoid 97 if you can afford to do it. Like, yep. and hey, credit to the Bears. Honestly, like the Bears spilling linebackers and Demarcus Walker have been a big part of the Bears run defense being so consistent. Teams are getting nothing. Also, I do feel like it's kind of back to what late 2000s football where the ba- teams are kind of just wasting downs against the Bears. And we will take it every yeah. single time. Wide receiver screens. Yep. But I even mean some of the run concepts between the tackles feel like more of a, this is what we do play call oh, zone. than a, yeah. this is going to work play yeah. call. Like if I was a team playing against the bears, I, I would have to run wide and you'd have to do it away from Montez mm-hmm. sweat. You'd have to kind of take what the defense gives you a little bit, but this is the ultimate take what the defense gives you defense. The teams yep. that have taken what the Bears gave them have scorched the Bears in many cases. Or they've started Brian Hoyer, or they've not had any receivers, Minnesota, or they've got the messiest offense maybe in football in Carolina. That Carolina team only scored six points against this Bears defense. Yeah. ISM outscored their offense. Like no, it was, sure. you got to tip the Bears cap at when they earn it. And the coach, the position coaches, and the overall attitude of this Bears defense, to me, that really showed out. And mm-hmm. I would argue, what what do you think? Probably eight Bears defenders were flat better than their matchup on that night. Oh yeah, like yep. I mean they, I mean, and that that's what you do. You you kind of squash 
teams when you are better than them. Like, hey, I'm going to beat this guy. I mean, I even saw some some winning reps from like Justin Jones, who has struggled. And when he's one on one, he can do he can do okay sometimes. I wanted to actually take one minute because you had talked, and and again, because we're we're more X's and O's technique type of a a Bears podcast, and you you had said spilling for your linebackers, and I want I want our you know, our people that are watching, people that are listening to understand the two different kind of run defenses that mm-hmm. you can do there. So one is contain. Okay. So if you want to think of your DNs where they will have outside contain and they force every run to the inside of them, like no matter what. And I always think of, they want to be half a man outside of that person, have their setting the edge, free, right? Yeah. Set the edge. so They can't get outside of them. So that is that's contained, and that way your in, your linebackers don't have to go as far. If they're not as athletic, they can fill gaps inside and regards and and do the dirty work. The other one is spill, which is the one that you would reference, which I think we're more of because our linebackers are athletic and fast. So what that is is that the DNs will take a gap inside and shoot and try to disrupt, but they're okay with letting guys go to the outside because it's designed that way. Because when you run east and west, it takes longer which allows pursuit to take angles and get there. So sometimes people get like, oh no, they didn't set the edge. It's it, That's okay, because if you're running, think of Derrick Henry. Do you want him running east and west or north and south? You want to run spill against Henry. Go right. outside. You know, what I mean? He can stiff arm some, but you don't want him to square his shoulder. So there's two different types of defense in, in, in terms of just the philosophy. I'm not talking about one gapping or two gapping, but there's spill and there's <laughs> contain. Absolutely. And I mean, it sure helps when you've got a nickel corner that's apparently made of the same stuff that like the liquid Terminator was because I I love them. I love the Spider-Man nickname. I do. But every time I see a new Spider-Man pop up, I'm like, we got it. We can we can come up with something better. And I know that Kyler's leading into it, but like we can come up with something better. But some of these blitzes that we saw with Kyler, I can't emphasize this enough. It looks really easy when somebody's so agile that they can break with the running back as they blitz into the hole and tackle him anyways. If you think about all the football games you have watched, Bears fan, you can think of a million DBs missing these tackles against running backs because they're running backs in the NFL. They're really good. Breaking tackles is what they do. They put one foot in the ground and change directions, and the DB just goes, woo, matador right by him, one-arm tackle that just... Like you, you've seen it where they just horse you off and they're gone. And the running back gets right back through the hole. Now down one defender. Kyler hit all four of the happenstantial run blitzes that put him straight through the hole. Mm -hmm. And all four of those plays killed drives. I mean, it was awesome to watch. Like, so, so I'm a big fan of Kyler Gordon and he played, that was his best game. I think as a pro. And I like him in the slot. So here's my question to you. Okay. This is my philosophy. I want to see if if you're on the same page as me. Mm -hmm. So everyone obviously has different talents in terms of their athleticism, in terms of their size, what they can do. I like Kyler Gordon as the nickel corner more Mm -hmm. than I like him as the outside corner because one, he's agile enough because what's so tough about being a nickel corner is that you have two way goes. The guy can go inside or outside. Generally your outside corners, they're going to go inside or go. So you have to be more reactionary and Kyler Gordon is that plus he's reliable in terms of you talked about run support and everything else. And he's athletic enough, I think to like fake blitzes and come back. Like, do you think he's a better nickel corner or he's more potential as an outside corner? I actually don't think it's close, Nick. And I think he's clearly a better inside corner. 
Because the number one thing with Kyler Gordon that I think the Lions exposed in week 17, and in the NFL, if you get exposed once, you're exposed. That's yeah. it. Because any other team that goes back to that well, they're going to figure it out. Kyler Gordon doesn't have what we call the long speed to keep up with a true burner straight down the field. And at an outside corner, Tyreek Stevenson needs to be able to keep up with some of the NFL's fastest guys. We're not talking about Tyreek Hill. I'm talking about Jameis Williams. I'm talking about, um, what was it, Ray Ray McLeod uh, that toasted Kyler Gordon week one in San Francisco. Like, the standard NFL speedster. The guy's name was Michael Strahan, I think. Uh, Strachan, whatever it was, against Strachan, Carolina. Yeah. Like, that, that guy, who he's pretty fast, he's not that big, you have to be able to keep up with him as an outside corner or be physical enough to slow him down, which is more the Jalen Johnson route. Kyler's not. But what Kyler is, that Tyreek Stevenson isn't, is oily enough to follow the receiver out to the right, and when he whip routes back in towards the left, break with him again, still disrupt the route, because I love that he's being more physical, and mm -hmm. make a tough throw tougher. These throws over the middle, look, everybody keeps wanting DBs that shut everybody down. Yeah, so do I. There's like three of them, right? Yeah. I want a DB that's going to just make plays harder. Get me some incompletions, even on plays you're involved in. There's a third down that Kyler had where he was draped all over his guy. He did not pass deflect. If you watch the all 22, the, the ball technically hits the receiver's hands, but like, I'm sure you've seen it, Nick. I mean, honestly, you see this in Madden. The moment a play is contested, the receiver can wilt a lot yeah. of the time. I mean, yeah. it's sad, but unless you've got Justin Jefferson over the middle, a lot of these NFL slot receivers just, they're not going to be a hundred percent when the mm -hmm. DB is in their hip, they would rather be totally by themselves. And so well, it, what, what you're doing, I think is you're, you're like, th think of like playing the odds. You're at a casino, you're playing poker, whatever. Like the, the more you can like make separation. Yes. Smaller, smaller windows for the quarterback mm -hmm. to throw more doubt the receiver's like i think he's gonna tip this he didn't tip it oh wait, i missed the catch anyway like the more you can create yep smaller percentages of them winning the more you're gonna be obviously less completions and you're going ball games remember those commercials with like the aws like catch probability stuff like that yeah like, yeah, yeah you're just trying to make that as low as you can if you can mm -hmm. take what has been a 95% play for that offense throughout the course of the season, maybe it's been close to an 85% play and you could drop it to a 45% play and they run it three times, you're feeling pretty good that you're going to take points off the board. And it's a very aggregate and stat nerd way to look at DB, but DB is a hard position and it's only getting harder as hard. receivers get better and better and better and better. And so mm -hmm. when I look at the Bears DBs, yeah, I'd love for them all to look like Sauce. But even Derek Stingley, who was drafted, was he ahead of Sauce Gardner? Like, Unfortunately, he was. I think he was. Like, it, There's That's just no mistake. sure thing. There's no sure thing at DB. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, I know it's hokey, but you just got to gotta take the bird in the hand. You got to say he's good. Maybe he's not amazing, but he's good. And for a second-year player, I feel like Gordon's taking a really nice step forward. Well, I just like that if I'm a an NFL team and I'm going to, again, try to get as many advantages as possible, like I'm going to attack something, they always move receivers into the slot. 
Jefferson into the slot. We saw Adams into the slot. Like that's feeling into the slot. That's what they love to do. Who's, but if you're who's slot the slot corners, matchup? who's the slot what? matchup this weekend? Who's the slot matchup this weekend? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown. He like, goes in the slot. Got to use that name. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not trying to slow your role. Go back to your role, but you had to include Amon Ross St. Brown. That guy's their whole offense. Anyways, Dude, he's continue. so good. Like, like that's the thing. He's 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 great. Way better as a pro than I I thought. And I do a lot of college scouting, uh, and I I love the St. Browns family. But by the way, the one that didn't make it in the pros, Osiris St. Brown, is a guy I liked maybe the most. <laughs> but anyway, out of Stanford. Anyways, but. When your slot corner is good and they don't have that advantage, it really disrupts like what they want to do offensively. So that's why I think like this could be such a plus for Chicago. Yes. And I'm pretty excited about it. I am too. The only complaint just for all our complainers out there that you could have about Kyler Gordon is that nickel kind of like safety is a position that a lot of people have found a lot of success at finding one with nearly no investment at all, including the Bears, who I think have a weirdly good nickel player in Greg Stroman sitting on their practice squad. Well, like they cut it, him, and then they got him to the practice squad. I yeah. know, right? And and it's it's just so funny because you look around the league, and whether it was Bryce Callahan that was a former UDFA, or Kenny Moore that's a former UDFA, like Nickel Roby Coleman, who at one point was the best nickel in football the year he signed for a vet minimum one-year deal. Like, mm-hmm. nickel corners are not a dime a dozen, but the ones that you do find, you almost stumble into, right? I I, I go back to Ricky Manning Jr. Remember Ricky Manning Jr.? Yes, yes. He had, he had that one playoff game where he had like three picks, but then he had a couple of good where it was double slant and he faked inside, then came outside and jumped the slant. And then awesome. he didn't do well, No, whatever. And it's the only thing that you would oh, mind oh. about. And the other DJ Moore. Don't forget about the other DJ oh, man, Moore that used to be a Bears player. The, the, all I'll ever remember about DJ Moore is getting mossed by Calvin Johnson. And I mean, he he got made look too, made to look small. Which I mean, he is small. Johnson did a lot. I, but... I I remember I remember him. He had a couple of pick sixes, which were cool. I remember him uh, getting face masked and thrown to the ground by Matt Stafford when the Bears were blowing out yes. the Lions, and then he got up and hit Stafford. I was so proud of That's him. Awesome. <laughs> it's anyway, all sorry. all of this to combine to say that if you wanted to whine, you can whine about did the Bears really take a nickel corner in the top forty? But in my opinion, even addressing that. You could never have too many good DBs. And even yes. though I don't know if Kyler Gordon is a long-term starter at outside corner, having a nickel that you actually trust to kick outside in a pinch is a valuable thing. And yes. you can then rotate safety help over the top of him when you really need it and when you're worried about that long speed. But we've been talking about the Bears, the Bears defense for long enough. You know what we got to talk about next. Because I, I think... The, see, see, I think you're burning... On this, someone let you drive. Is, you mean, so I put in our little outline here. The question, what do you think of Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze so far? So let me ask you, Nick, what do you think of Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze so far? So here's, okay. I think, and here's what's interesting. Now that the defensive coordinator is gone and the first part of the season was so horrendous, mm-hmm. I do wonder how much of that was the distraction and like maybe he wasn't planning as well as a DC and then flus took over and kind of got his bearings a little bit. And now it's going well again, again, could be bad quarterbacking or he could be getting his, you know, like his footing his. and he could be getting back his. in his groove. So I, I'm a little bit different than you. I'm feeling a little flus right now. I'm like, okay, like he's getting the momentum and then Getsy. 
I'm not feeling gutsy. Now, no. I think that schematically, sometimes the things that he does don't get enough credit because Tyson Bajan is turning down open receivers. He's taking shots when DJ Moore's wide open for a first down underneath. Like there are things that just like eh, don't seem right. But the thing that gets me, Robert, is there's things that Tyson Bajan did well in the preseason and did well in the Minnesota game, his first game. Uh, and then the Raider game that I didn't see last week. Like, I feel like he's getting worse. And like, right. if Fields is, you know, not progressing like we wanted to, and Bates is not progressing like we want to, maybe it's not the quarterbacks. That's the thing. That's the thing, right? Like, for me with Matt Eberflus, the main thing that I look at is, so obviously we know last year went really, really badly, but let's just like decouple last year from this year and act like to be as positive as possible that Matt Eberflus is somehow not beholden to last year's record and that we right. just all agree. Right. It was a tank job. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, right. whatever. Exactly. Like, right. and so if we decouple that, at least we can agree that there was pretty heavy emphasis on success this year. Even yes. even just some minor successes. And to me, the style points have been so poor. And I know nobody really cares about style points, but giving up before the fourth quarter against the Green Bay Packers in week one, a week two game where honestly the defense didn't play that badly considering how badly we were getting mossed on third down consistently. But somehow the offense at that point cannot find more than two successful drives. The first drive of the game and then an explosive drive right, what was it, late third, early fourth quarter. And outside of that, they're nearly nilo. And the takeaways aren't there. Look, I could, I, I actually have a laundry list of things that I could whine about, including but not limited to Matt Eberflus overseeing not one but two, like coach firing slash resignations. Yeah. It, it's been an ugly year that's felt long since week four. It's felt long since week two. We're week 10. We're at the halfway point, Nick. It feels like it's been a whole year, like a whole year of a season, but it hasn't been. And I can't help feeling like, at least when I look at Matt Eberflus right now, I'm disappointed. Do I think he's the worst Bears coach ever? Sometimes I don't know. I think it's easy for people to point and be like, well, I mean, Tressman was better than this. And it's like, oh, hold your horses. But the Cromer thing and the Williams thing definitely feel from the outsider's perspective more similar than I'd like them to be. The Bears, like have this running backs coach that he gets dismissed. I question Matt Eberflus's leadership. Sorry, have to do it because this team finds ways to lose late in games. And it was mm -hmm. nice to see them figure out how to hold on to a lead against Carolina. But even so, man, like first and 30 becomes a first down. Uh, like, that was bad. And it's, it's almost to tie the game, except for the fact that Bryce Young just could not find a completion on the ensuing drive after that, out of mm. nowhere. Kudos to the defense, because at least the way I see this, Nick, it's like Matt Eberflus's defense. I don't like the scheme, but the players are playing hard. Luke Getze has the opposite problem. The plays that are called don't always suck, but the players that are running them don't look like they've had the right points of emphasis driven home. Look, yes. Tiny and, little and, anecdote. And that's like a constant yeah. thing. It's like constant. all these details constantly like Darno Mooney, like feels like he's just off a little bit. And right. it's like, is he being coached up all like, like how, like I can think of like DJ Moore. Yep. Um, Darno, right. 
Tevin Jenkins. Those are probably the only three bears. Well, I guess you could say running back, right? We'll say that. So we'll say the position of running back. Right. Um, and that's me giving Roshan Johnson probably a little bit more of a kudos than he probably deserves. That's four Bears players offensively that I think have not underachieved. Right. Uh, Cole Komet. I'll add him in there. I mean, but like a lot of them are underachieving. And it's like, why would they constantly be underachieving? And you got these silly moments, right? Like, look, I understand that you can't literally pump the ball to one player over and over and over and over. But DJ Moore starts the game off breaking a tackle. He has no business breaking on a quick line of scrimmage hitter and breaks it for 17 yards. And we only get him two more targets than we targeted Cole Komet on the day. Like, we are giving him some of the most manufactured, like, stale targets possible. And he's still turning these into first downs. But we're not going to do it every other play. There's pieces to this Getsy offense where I'm like, are we sure we know what we're doing? And, like, I have this dumb little anecdote I want to tell you. It's not a story I ever thought I would tell, right? Because it's such an innocuous little moment, man. But it's the part of coaching that I do think gets lost in this, right? So I was a youth leader at a church in Waco when I was at Baylor, right? And one of the uh, kids asked me to come out and watch his baseball game. Kids maybe nine years old, maybe maybe 12, somewhere in that range, right? Little do I find out, this kid not only can't hit the ball, but he's striking out every single at-bat, right? Walks are legal. He is simply swinging the bat no matter what, right? And so suddenly his team needs rally. And they're starting to rally. And I don't know why, but between innings, I totally circumvented the coach. I still feel bad about it. But I basically made the point of like, hey, your team needs you to get on base. Like, if they can't throw you a strike, that is a walk. And he takes the first walk of his season because suddenly he starts watching the ball, gets on base, team rallies, they walk it off. Why am I saying this? Because the play call is one thing. But making sure the players go into that play call with the right attitude, the right mindset, the instructions on how to win can affect their performance. You and I will never fully be able to parse out what is whose fault. We don't know. But Tyson Bajan, in his fourth start, looked way more like what I've been whining about from Justin Fields all throughout this season than Tyson Bajan looked in his first start. And it's Mm -hmm. weird to me that given more coaching, and more prep, we are getting worse. And worse yep. procedurally. We are way later than we were weeks ago. We are yeah. way, like our feet are all over the place. Yes, Our eyes are Bouncing. all over the place. Like, it's not just, oh, well, the ball's not coming out well, right? Does he look like a young quarterback rattled from throwing too many interceptions? Definitely. But the fact that the coaches let that happen, on a Thursday night game, they needed to have Nick. And they spent way too long in that game down. Like, long monologue to say, Luke Getzey has really disappointed me. Because yeah. there are these little flashes where you go, hey, the run scheme is fun. Like, do we have something here? But there's just always a few too many mistakes. Braxton Jones false starts. Like, Tevin Jenkins, it's not Tevin Jenkins' fault, but like, Hold it. Actually, no, I'm not going to whine about holding. Holding just happens. But I would argue little details that we see all over the line, all over the receiver room, and especially under center, really bug me. And mm-hmm. when I look at these two, I just don't see reason to fight for them if the record goes south over the next seven weeks. 
Yeah. No, and I and I get it too. There's so there's a, there's a whole there's a there's a huge debate here in terms of like is it the players? Because again, we've already talked about like all of the pieces aren't in place, right? To show maybe everything that they want. Because I mean, like every team has its weaknesses, but the, this was a true rebuild. So is it a thing that they're man, they're manufacturing and they're like, man, we just really don't have all the things that we want to show it and you want to give them another shot to show it? Or are you like, you haven't shown enough to even deserve to get the B plus, you know, steak to show that you can be this great chef when you can't pull out whatever kind of bad steak over here and, you know, right. and, and serve it to customers during lunch. You're not you're getting the dinner, you know. Exactly. Menus. So like, I get both sides of it. To me, um, I think with a lot of things we'll talk about later, they have a lot to prove over these next seven games. And, and in terms of like their job security, like if they're not coaching, like their job depends on it, then they're, they're really, really ignorant. To me, Nick, if the bears didn't have a first round pick because they traded it away and the, the bears were bad, but they didn't really have any major hope of getting much better next year. I would not be beating any drum about Matt Eberflus because that's just not the situation at hand. My argument would be there is too much at stake with what you could do next year to where if there was a time to get rid of a coach a year early, then maybe he deserves. I think you're looking at it. Right. Well, and, and you even look at there's coaches that get, I mean, Marty Schottenhammer is 14 and two and he got let go. Like there are coaches that get let go. They go eight and eight or, right. I mean, I think, I Lovey think Smith Ray was Rhodes, 10 and six. Yeah. With green Bay was like eight or eight or nine and seven. He got let go. Like, like teams get let go for, for way better mm-hmm. performance than we're doing now. Again, you talked about Trustman. like, yeah, Trustman did well. I don't, you know, Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett, Alshon Jeffrey, Jay Cutler, Josh McCown, Man Matt Forte. Forte. Mm-hmm. That's a squad, y'all. Like, a squad. That's a squad. Like, we, we got DJ Moore. We got some other things, but we don't got that squad. No, but the Bears do have $120 million invested in their defense. And so yeah. now that they're getting results from their defense, that is good. They sure paid for it. And so yeah. to like, it's all this to say that when I look at this Bears team, I don't see what Shane Steichen and his squad are doing. I don't feel like I see what Jonathan Gannon and his squad are doing, where they're right. taking guys that I do not know their names, and they're teaching me their names. And in Gannon's case, I think he's got an incredible – I think the Cardinals, just to not use too many names, the Cardinals have a very underrated chest of weaponry. I really like rookie receiver Michael Wilson. Trey McBride was an awesome tight end out of Colorado. Like, mm-hmm. the Hollywood Brown oh, obviously okay. speaks for himself. Like, it's – Wait a minute. He well, he wasn't Colorado. He was Colorado State. Colorado State. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. But so all this to say that like them coming online with a really solid quarterback behind them actually doesn't shock me that much. It's why you and I have joked the entire season that Kyle is going to come you, back. When, when you do well with Josh Dobbs at Arizona when he just got there, and then Kevin O'Connell brings him in and he doesn't know anybody, and they win a game, and then they win the next game against the Saints convincingly. Mm-hmm. You got to think it's coaching. So these coaches. Got a pretty big game this week against Detroit, Robert. I think they so. Do. I'm going to drop in some stats and we can kind of dive into this matchup because I mean, this is, yep. you know, we talk all things Bears, but this is a week 11 preview show. So, 
the Lions, I'm not going to go through the Bears stats because I normally I, I do that every week. I think people are sick of that. So Lions offensively, pretty good. Seventh best offense, uh, ninth in passing, eighth in rushing, sixth in points per game. They're 15th and third down. They have the fourth best starting field position, which I'll get to a little bit in the defensively. So that's interesting. Fourth best is really good. Here's one thing that they are bad at. One thing to keep in mind. They are 26th in red zone percentage. So like when they get in the red zone of not converting that to a touchdown. So it's one thing I think to really keep in mind of like, hey, they get down there and can we, you know, bend but don't break. Right. That could be something to swing the game. And then defensively, this was one thing I had in terms of before the season started. Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit were like three of the four worst defenses last year. Mm-hmm. Detroit has made a lot of ground here. They're the seventh best defense uh, this season. 17th or 7th? 17th, sorry. 17th. Uh, 17th best defense. They're ninth in pressure percentage. And mm-hmm. pressure percentage, again, is like pressures, hurries, QB hits, and like sacks combined. Mm-hmm. And so ninth is obviously pretty good when you only have one elite rusher right. and the rest is just a group of guys. Um, I thought this was interesting. They blitz less than Chicago does. So really if you're like looking for exotic things and how they get pressure, it's not from blitzing. It's from just their guys it's doing from their man thing. coverage and letting their guys go win in yep. so many cases. Keep going. Yep. Uh, 19th in pass defense and 13th in rush defense. So when I okay. looked at the guys and their grades on PFF, I, I came to that conclusion. Like, I think you can pass on them way better than you can run on them. A big part of that is, is McNeil. Their, their nose tackle mm-hmm. has taken huge strides in his second year as a third round pick. Okay. A uh, guy to keep in mind in the, the middle of that defense, uh, seventh and third down percentage, obviously is really, really good. Uh, second best in terms of opponent starting field position. So second best in terms of like the worst for offenses. Right. right. So so they that the field position game, they they really set up their offense and their defense to be successful there. Mm-hmm. But again, their defense struggles in the same area their offense does. They're 30th and red zone percentage. So teams that get into the red zone, they're the, they have the third highest percentage of converting that into a touchdown. There's an angle to this game. So you've just mentioned a bunch of phenomenal statistics. For instance, the, I think that these these numbers bear out exactly what the Lions are. They are not actually that strong a team in terms of the weapons chest. Yes, they've got David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Yes, they've got guys like Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown. They are not gaudy like the Bengals are at receiver, right? They are not gross like some of these other teams are at running back. They're as close as you get, maybe, but they, they aren't, for instance, Atlanta who I would argue has a better running back room. Though, more than I'm just doing on this, Detroit's is pretty good. And their offensive line is stout. But to me, this whole offense, I got to tell you, Nick, here's a secret. I was not a Ben Johnson guy until this year. I thought he was a relatively flash-in-the-pan coordinator. The teams were going to study what he did, and they were going to adjust. And they have, yep. they simply can't. Ben is your classic. Like, not to get Bears fans too excited, Ben is your classic. I have like 17 formations. That's it. And we're going to run about 120 plays out of those 17 formations. Or it's probably less, probably closer to like 12 or 13 formations. But the point being that they are utilizing their guys in masked looks that are also keeping things simple enough that Sam Laporta, a rookie tight end, can just slot in and execute. That 
Amon Ross St. Brown can take over games. They are letting their guys win. They are giving their guys leverage. And I don't know if there's anybody that's a better example of just how well coached this Lions team is than Jared Goff's renaissance. Because yes. he's playing great quarterback. Great well, I, quarterback. I, I was just, I'm glad you said that because I was just going to say this. So out of every quarterback in the NFL, Robert, Jared Goff is first in graded PFF rating right I'm now. I'm not He's surprised. Number one quarterback. <laughs> like, like, like if you were to say that a couple years ago, they they thought Jared Goff laugh. was a throw-in in this trade for Matt Stafford. It was about the first-round picks, and they're like, nope, we wanted Matt Stafford. And, like, I'll even say this. Lions fans have, have come at me this week because I put out a, the PFF chart of, of rushing over expectation, and David Montgomery was the, the worst Right. Out of the last four years combined, and he's even gotten better. So when you keep pointing out all these guys that have gotten better, I mean, even like Josh Reynolds is having one of the better years of his right. career in terms of grading. Khalif Raymond is playing decently. They like, don't have amazing receivers. They no, have all the, all Brown. of the guys are playing better than what I would say their talent is. Mm-hmm. That leads to one conclusion: Ben Johnson and this staff are really, really coaching these guys up well with the details that were missing in Chicago. Which um if you are me and look I'm I'm just going to go there Nick. I don't see any reason not to like um I don't see any reason to I don't know hide this behind a bushel, right? If you're looking for Matty bushel, a bushel. Uh but so, like hide it under a bushel. No. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing. It's a, I I don't I don't refer to bushels often, but okay. Well, well then you're not from the south. Right. But so anyways, uh, jokes aside, if you're looking for Matt Eberflus to have a prove it game, like a show or go kind of game, this is a great one because this Bears defense has the tools. If you look at the players to stop this Lions offense and if the Lions offense rolls into Motown and blows them out and then comes to Soldier Field after the Bears bye week and blows them out again, like that is going to tell you a lot about what Matt Eberflus's team does when you face a really good coordinator. And mm-hmm. and if not, if they hold them really well, good. This To me, this next few games, and especially this one, I hate to put too much on a game, man. Not but this game. I'm after, with you. After Denver, after some of the other games that the Bears have had this season, honestly, I thought the way it played out, New Orleans ended up so much more winnable than I envisioned yes. it would. And yep. I'm amazed that they couldn't pull that one out of the fire. The Vikings game was right there, man. Right there. Which, which again, that's one of the six games against, I would say, a very good quarterback and Kirk Cousins at the time. There's no Jefferson. Nope. But Cousins, and they did it well. But I, I'm with you. Like, this is the game. And here's the other another reason, okay? The offensive line is back. Like, oh, yeah. The, this is the first time, Robert, we're going to have the line as designed back. Now, whoever you want to put at center, they're going to put Patrick there. But if, so people that don't know, so Braxton Jones played really well last week. He's going to be your left tackle. But Nate Davis is back, and they're going to switch Tevin Jenkins back, back to left guard, and they're going to put Nate Davis at right guard. And I don't really care about that. Like, I get it because Davis has always played right guard. Jenkins has played both, and actually this year has had good games at both guard spots. Yeah, so I don't think it matters to him. Mm-hmm. And then you got Darnell Wright. So, Getting your line right with your quarterback right. coming back. And we talked about this a lot in the preseason. Okay. The advantages, the statistical advantages, Robert, the Bears have more rest than Detroit this week. They they have oh yeah. Again, they played on Thursday. So they have they have Friday, Saturday, and Detroit played Sunday 
afternoon game. So another three hours later, they have a lot more rest, which statistically gives the Bears an advantage. And I'm just saying, this Bears offensive line is getting flat out slept on. Like, even Mm -hmm. as it has been, you go through the tape and Justin Fields' relatively slow playing tempo can trick your eyes into feeling like Justin Fields spent more time in the pocket or spent less time in a clean pocket than he totally did on some of these slower dropbacks. And I only say that because I was watching just the other day the, the Lions' objectively good offensive line go toe-to-toe with, I. there was a game against the Raiders, there was a game against the Seahawks I watched, and Goff's only getting three, three and a half seconds, as is normal for an NFL quarterback. And it took my mind back to the Tampa game. It took my mind back to parts yeah. of the Minnesota game. The Bears' offensive line, man, they've actually had quite a few games where they generate really clean pockets. And Tyson Bajent kind of proved that out. Don't make Bajent more than he is. But Bajit took five sacks in four games. Did you know he has the lowest sack rate in the entire NFL right now, Nick? Well, you know you know what's interesting? People get really big on the, the field sack thing and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. I thought this was interesting. I looked this up. I don't know if this was prior to last week or after last week. But PFF has this stat, and it's um, amount of pressures that are on the quarterback or on yes. the line or whatever. So Justin Fields is 13th worst or highest in right. – Quarterback pressures that are due to the quarterbacks doing. Tyson Bajan's 15th. I wish you you and I, to to go on this, because I don't know if you're about to go here, I would actually kill just about to get a PFF analyst on this call to ask them about that stat. Because I'm wondering, if a quarterback sits in the pocket at the top of his drop to the count of seven, which would obviously be like grotesque, and then eventually Darnell Wright loses, are they going to charge that on the quarterback? Or are they going to say that's not on the quarterback because he didn't like as in it does that stat track track when the quarterback runs into pressure because that happens or or does it track when a quarterback is pressured yes or no by somebody who beats an offensive lineman because sometimes I hear that number Nick and I got to tell you that's one number that I swear man that doesn't feel like it matches the film you know what I'm saying well well, here's what I wonder though I wonder if it's and this seems ridiculous because of how athletic he is, but I don't think he maneuvers great all the time. I wonder if mm-hmm. Fields gets sacked more when he gets pressured. Like that rate is super high. Like the pressure to sack percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like Bajan or something else, which I think he has a little bit more like awareness. And sometimes I think Fields like, I'm going to stare my guy and I'm going to get it to him or he'll run into pressure. I wonder if that's part of it because there's something that's off there. But the other thing I'm going to give Fields credit on is I'm hoping and, and, you know, again, this is sad. End of the career with Cody Whitehair is off the field, thankfully. But, like, the bad snaps that we saw Fields had to deal right. with early in the year should be gone. The Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick and Jachiri Carter not being able to handle twists. Like, all that stuff should be way better with Nate Davis back. Okay, so, Nick, you said you're hopeful. I'm going to take hopeful. that We're going to say that that's one side of the coin. Let me deliver the other with full force. I am issuing a challenge. We've got DJ Moore healthy, Darnell Mooney healthy, Tyler Scott warmed up and ready to go, Cole Komet finding himself, the starting offensive line in the picture, and maybe most important of all, we are playing a defense that you just read out is one of the most average defenses in football. Like aggressively average defenses. Not bad, not good, average. 
They play a lot of man coverage. You would hope that this favors Justin Fields. They have a scary edge rusher, just like 20 teams in the NFL. Like you look at the Lions, this is a requisite defense. It's not a great defense. And maybe most importantly for me, for me, Nick, it's a divisional opponent. Quarterbacks where the book gets written, the division reads it first. And mm-hmm. this is a game because we saw this against Green. Fields' two worst games, in my opinion, weren't ta- like Tampa was bad. But to me, it's Green Bay and it was Minnesota. And I wonder if there's a correlation there with this idea that did these defensive coordinators get in the lab, look at their division and say, how am I going to stop Justin Fields? Okay, I'm going to contain rush him. I'm going to spot drop him with seven. And he's not going to have any idea what to do. I hope Fields succeeds in a big way. I hope Fields proves that he's better than the book. But I think you'd agree with me, Nick. If Fields comes out of this game, the offense scores 10 points. He eats five sacks. He has a turnover or two and not enough big time throws. That's going to be a strong blow to whatever his future may be in Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. And, I, and I'm with you. I because I think it's again the Justin Fields, you know, conversation is just so huge because so much rides on these last seven games. Like, I don't think there's any of us that want Justin Fields to not succeed. I mean, heck, I name my dog Fields. I have this thing right here, but like, I'm not going to be ignoring the potential draft pick because that's what's out there. Like, and I think you worded this in some tweet recently, Robert. But like, if the Bears had the tenth pick and that's all they had it's a very different kind of pressure than absolutely right. Cause I mean, not, I mean, playoffs potentially before the season, but like it's still, we were a year away, but like with all of the potential that you have with Carolina being the number one pick, it's so much pressure on what could happen. And this is the start of it because having your line back, your interior line, which honestly field struggles so much more with that interior pressure. If you have, Cody White here off the field <laughs> and you can run the ball. I think they're better running right now than they were early in the year and set up second and short third and shorter than these third and longs and like do, do things that fields is good at. This could be another huge game potentially be- like in terms of, I mean, again, yeah, he had a bad two, two quarters and like what a couple minutes against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But again, before, before that he had eight quarters where he threw Eight More touchdowns. touchdowns than Trevor Lawrence in the entire like, season. Yeah, like, like it's yeah. I mean, so like, and he's still Robert again because I was like thinking back to the Detroit games from last year because he had one in at least one in each game. He still hasn't had one of those huge runs. No, like it's gonna happen. I it's actually happen. am wondering where they are. To be honest right. with you, like right. part part of what has had me so adamant. Like if you've heard me almost heel turn. I, I hope it's not that bad. But if you've heard me almost dramatically heel turn, it's because I swear, man, everything that was so good about Fields' 2022 feels as if we haven't seen it yet. And yep. all the things we were worried about, maybe not literally all, but many of them have all manifested. Like, I feel like what we've seen so far has been in many in many ways the worst case scenario. It has and, been. Well, but besides the, the two weeks where we had the two, the big two games. weeks were awesome. They were the weeks where we took a lot of the processing weight off of Justin Fields and DJ yep. Moore just housed 230 yards at three scores. And then mm. in the Denver game, they, they ran like a pattern match that let him target DJ Moore relentlessly. And I'll mm. tell you what, man, when Justin Fields has a pocket clean enough for him to throw it, he can throw 
the hell out of the football. Yep. It's for me. I'm curious as to what's going to happen when Fields gets to his second read. Let's abandon the third read for now. Like yeah. we'll get there later. It's when Fields doesn't get that first option that I feel as if right now he gets really stuck in the mud. And yep. you can't do that long term. The problem is Bajit's getting equally panicky. Yep. Way too many plays where his first read was open and we didn't throw it. Like, mm -hmm. does that sound familiar? And so well, it, yeah, and I'm with you. And so, like, hopefully with the best line that we've had, the best we'll line. give them time to get to whatever uncomfortable. The other thing I want to add to this was um, what's interesting is uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who should, you know, be recognized within Bears hearts of the guy that uh, Javon Wims punched <laughs> in the playoff game. Um, he's on IR. So when you look at their DBs, their best graded DB, Robert. It's got to be Kirby, is... right? No. Is it not Kirby Joseph? No, man. He's he's 74th out of 88 safeties. I also hate PFF safety grade, but uh, I know. I know. It's like <laughs> no. a, uh, the best they have is actually Brian Branch, the rookie man. And then that and stinks. then it's like Tracy Walker. He's uh, 38th at the position. Then you have I mean, I mean, Cam Sutton got signed and he's like 78th. I mean, like there it's nothing to write home about. So if, if you have the protection. This could be one of those games where, okay, let's let it fly and see what happens if things connect. And you know how like rookies play in hills and valleys? Let's just establish that, right? Would you agree yeah. that most rookies, they they go up, they go down. They're roller coasters in the first part. Darnell Wright, whether it's his shoulder that I still think he's hurt and that he's recovering from or not, he did not have a phenomenal game against a Carolina team that didn't really have a lot of fangs either. So. He's got a, <clears throat> a tough matchup against Aiden Hutchinson. And just going into the game, Nick, here's a question. Um, on what percentage of downs where you know you're passing the ball would you leave Darnell Wright one-on-one -on -one with A. Hutch given the way he's playing right now? Um, 20%. 20%? I think that's about Because something you still have to. You but can't you still literally can do 100%. <laughs> well i mean just by offensive design how i am like i wouldn't do that but i mean i would mercedes lewis cole Komet, just chip chip and release baby like or, that's or slide that's have, a guy the bears have, have to slide that way i think that that's a bear that's a that's a guy the bears have to keep under wraps if yeah. the bears want to be competitive in this game, they want to lengthen out some of these pockets and get great play across the earth, like, mm. and basically lean on their receivers. I would be blown away if Detroit's not going to bracket DJ Moore. If I was the Bears playing against Justin Fields, number two can't beat us. Like, yeah. make Justin Fields get some volume to Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet, and if they beat us, they beat us. But yeah. last year, week 17, the Lions called cover one man nearly the entire game some moments of cover two some moments of cover three mostly cover one man and nobody separated and it was a pitiful game to watch and I, mean, I mean but it, like that that tells me Fields should run if it's man and he didn't till he you know messed up his hip like no. on that long one but it's it's all to say that this lions game i would argue with you nick the deck is stacked against chicago they're eight and a half point dogs but mm -hmm. To me, you to, uh, all right, I'm about to say something that's aggressive, and I really want you to tell me if I'm being too unrealistic, right? But when you lose games like Denver, you have to take games nobody saw coming. Like, you have to put the money back in the jar, right? Oh, yeah. And if this is one of those games 
I think, where over the next four games, I would argue the Bears have to win two if they're trying to save Matty Berflus' job, one to keep the season on life support. You can't win none. And this is a great first shot. And in most, maybe most importantly, it would be a horrible time to eat a blowout leading yep. into Monday Night Football. What do you think? No, no, no. Yeah. And I think this is it. We have the rest. You talked about Darnell Wright. He should be healthier, having extra days to Hope get so. treatment on that shoulder. And you, and again, like you're getting blasting game back. You're getting all these guys back. I, I haven't looked at Detroit's injury report, but like this is, I think, like this is it. Like this is honestly like everything because marbles baby yeah because if they even if they lose it's a close game like okay then you got minnesota again and like detroit a week after that like it's just everything is like uh, okay whatever but if you win this one you win two in a row which is the first time in eberflus's tenure and you still you could ride that out a little bit you absolutely and it could, could be who knows who knows what it can go to because of fields and whatever but like i think this is a huge game so this leads me into the rest of their schedule and should we do a prediction just while we we're have, at it while we're on Detroit? Cause everything sure, else yeah, on yeah, our, if you want to, yeah, everything else on our uh, docket here is like draft related spoiler. Yeah, alert. yeah whatever. Yeah. But, uh, so do you want what, me to go first? Cause I think you've been going first. I think you think you should go first. So I think that this game is going to be what more interesting than people think. And Chicago, like, I mean, to kind of remember this. So Chicago has let two teams um, score more than 20 points in the last six games. That was, you know, L.A. Mm -hmm. and then the Saints. And before that, I mean, everyone was scoring 27 or more. I think that Chicago keeps this close but loses. I want to say it's going to be like 24-21. I like that. Detroit. I think, I think that's a sensible score. I, my head says that I think the Bears are going to get blown out. But realistically, the other part of my head, not even the Bears fan part, tells me that the Detroit Lions are coming off of an incredible, emo or incredibly emotional win against the Chargers. It is tough to follow brilliance up in back-to-back -back weeks. So I can't help but think, like you're talking about, that this has all the makings of a scraper, right? And so I... <clears throat> I think the Lions score 31 points. But for my official prediction, I think 27 makes a lot of sense. The question is, what are the Bears going to do? Because yeah. we've been talking all year about how the Bears need to be a team that is led by their offense. And if the offense decides to play second banana, I don't think the defense is good enough to win them this game. Like, right. to win them the game, I don't think the defense is there. The defense yep. is going to stand in there. They're going to take some blows. They're going to give some back. And... They're going to try to keep this thing under wraps. But if I was going to give an ultimate prediction, I tend to think that the Bears are going to lose. Let's go 27-16, uh, in yeah. my opinion. Like, relatively definitive. Not as bad as some thought it was. And then we're going to say exactly the same, all the Marvels things uh, leading into Minnesota. Because if the Bears do lose against, uh, like, if they do lose against the Lions, I think you and I both know, dejected or not, you have to beat Josh Dobbs. It doesn't matter how unrealistic it gets. Like, well, okay, so so let's get it. So, like the rest of the Bears' schedule, <clears throat> they're at Minnesota, bye week, home against Detroit, at Cleveland. So that's three out of four games they're on the road. <clears throat> but again, Cleveland, people don't know, just lost their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who's been in and out throughout the year. They've an elite defense, but that would leave 
two teams right there without their original starting quarterback right. in Minnesota and Cleveland. Then you have Arizona, who just got Kyler Murray back. But I'm going to say this: like, I know it's exciting; he's back, and they just won. But that's still a very not super talented team, and Kyler Murray's going to have ups and downs getting back used to football too. Then you, and that's home in December in Chicago against Arizona. Then you have Atlanta coming to town in Chicago, and then you end at the team we all hate the most, Green Bay. So. I, 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 so like leading into this, like, okay, let's, let's talk more. Like that's the bear schedule, but like, right. Everyone talks like the tank and the draft pick and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I looked at, I looked at the, all the teams that have less than three, three wins and less. Right. Denver is not one of them now. Cause they just pulled that upset off against Buffalo. Um, it's awesome. Right. So there's, there's really, there's, I have, I have eight really crucial games against these these whatever all teams that are bad. Carolina plays at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Green Bay plays at Carolina. Mm-hmm. New or, or uh, New England plays at the Giants, which I think everyone's Pretty circling. Huge. But also Green Bay plays at the Giants, and the Rams play at the Giants. So the Giants have three games against teams with three wins or less, all at home. So fingers crossed. The Patriots beat the Giants because I don't know if the Patriots are getting another one. And then the Giants beat the Rams or the Packers, if you ask me. Right. I'm hoping big dog Matt Barkley ends up starting a couple games with them as we wait out Tyrod Taylor. Matt Barkley. Man, former franchise, uh, former Bears franchise potential quarterback, if you remember. Him and and Jimmy Clausen, man. That that hot streak, though, where Matt Barkley, what was that game? Was that like 24-27? against green bay like yeah, that it was, it was like a slobber knocker of a game in super late december that i cannot believe was as close as it was but so that, so yeah so a couple other games so one is chicago at green bay we talked about arizona at chicago and then the rams play at arizona so you know there's there's a lot of things to still be had but when i look at the schedule and i look at what teams have remaining um i could see i mean honestly Carolina does not have it easy. I don't think. No, no. Um, I think Green Bay has. They have three games against three w- really winnable games there. I think it's tough for them to have a top two pick, which I think we're all talking about. Already top two. Um, I think it's tough to see. Um, the the Giants. They have three games there. So you think they would pull one of those off? Arizona might be the toughest one, honestly, because they play the Rams at home, and they play Chicago at Chicago. Like and those and. Th- the rest of their games are at Houston, um, Ram game at Pittsburgh, San Francisco at Philly and Seattle. Like if you're worried about a team, I mean, and they have momentum because it is one, but it could be Arizona. It maybe, man. Like I think there's so many of those those Cardinals games that are winnable, right? Like now, granted. Part of that comes with a little bit of. So obviously, I have a vested interest in wanting the. Cardinals to win. So let's just say right, that right, bias. Right. But right, also, right. the Texans can't keep this up forever. We see this story too often, man. Yeah. Like they will be the first if they become young and also consistent. This is a Texans team that lost to the Panthers. They've got more in there. And they right, just came exactly. off they've just they just came off a huge win, right? And so I I'm not guaranteeing anything in the books, but the toughest games that the Panthers have are divi- or are that the, the what was it? The Cardinals have are divisional. 
And I'm a huge believer that there's no weird in the NFL, like NFL divisional game weird. Oh my and, gosh. And yep. could the Niners drop a game to the, or to the Cardinals? You probably not. But I mean, I mean the, the Cardinals beat Dallas. Let's not forget that. That's the thing. I would argue it's less likely that the 49ers would drop a game to the Packers than it would than it would be that they would drop a game to the Cardinals yeah, just because of the familiarity between teams like this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, and, and yeah, anything can happen. So I guess what I'm pointing out is there's a bunch of totally. games there where but, all these bad teams are playing each other, so somebody has to win. But you've heard me be pretty negative about a bunch of different things. I do think the Bears are in a real coaching and quarterback hole right now. I'm not trying to yeah. say Justin Fields sucks. Justin Fields has a lot to prove. He is very talented. The coaching around him is not helping him. The whole pie is baked badly, if that makes right. sense. All right. So, but oh, man, go ahead. I, I got some things on that, but go ahead. But, man, if there's a positive here, it's that if Carolina – goes into Nashville and loses, you are home free for yeah, one of these top two. I mean, not only do the Panthers have a gruelingly hard schedule and everybody keeps circling Green Bay. You heard me talking about how Green Bay needed to pick up some wins. I am seeing that team take the strides that they need to finish the year as mediocre and mediocre is better than bad, right? Yeah. You give Jordan Love an extension, baby. We want I it. I hope they go sec. I, I, you know, you want to like Daniel so Jones. Bears fans right now. Some Bears fans are cheering for a little late run at the end of the season that would save Matt Eberflus's job. Like, let's flip the script a little bit. I want Jordan Love to go on a nice closeout run against the last five or so games of his schedule, where he kind of plays pretty good. And at that point, you're going to get that extension that you're talking about. Like they're going to drop themselves out of quarterback contention for good. Like there's, there's a lot to like there. And also I got a detail wrong in last week's pod. So I talked about how the Panthers had such a high strength of schedule that they were, they, they were a tiebreaker against that is not true because the two teams that have risen into contention here are the New England Patriots who have one of the hardest strength of schedules on tankathon.com and the Giants who are ahead of the Carolina Panthers. I know mm. these metrics change and so they'll be updated as the seasons goes, but right now the Bears basically have a not only a game lead but a tiebreaker in hand over yeah. any of these teams that creep in, Arizona included, Nick. And people keep looking at the Cardinals. I, look, I'm going to ask you a question, boldface. I still want to figure out where the optimism for the Panthers is coming. Like, the Panthers got every opportunity. They even got a punt return touchdown to beat a Bears team whose quarterback could not play for the better yeah. part of an entire half. How did the Panthers lose that game? I know. Like. And here's the optimism. Okay. And, and this tells you a little bit of the desperation. Frank Wright gets to call plays now. There's maybe the optimism. I mean, that's how that's how bad it is. And by the, the way, possession is such a mark of a desperate team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. And did you see the owner came out today and talked about the dream scenario we all thought about last offseason in Chicago, where the Bears are going to trade down with the Texans. They're going to go from one to two, and then the Panthers are going to jump jump, jump from nine to two. They are so the two trades. And it's like, oh yeah, we're going to get you know. You go on PFF mock drafts and be like, I'm going to trade down like 34 times to get so many picks, and the Texans crazy. backed out last second. I'm glad they did. I mean, this is looking like one of so. 
hot sports opinion here, but if the Bears actually collect a top two pick from this draft, they probably pulled off one of the greatest trades of NFL history. Oh like, my gosh. That that word can get thrown out a lot, but in the modern era, so like before you could trade a second and a fourth for Pittsburgh's first round pick to take Dick Buckus, like before <laughs> you could do that, uh, that trade really happened, by the way. Like a second no, and a fourth. Well, I'm thinking Herschel Walker trades the best one. Right. So let's if we if we stick trades in eras because analytics has made us smarter, the Bears right. will have traded the first or they will have traded the first overall pick. Yes, it becomes Bryce Young. You can use Bryce Young if you want to. So right. well, they will people have traded, have been like, oh, they missed on CJ Stroud. They will have traded the it. rights to draft Bryce Young slash CJ Stroud right. in a trade where the Carolina Panthers probably made the wrong choice for DJ Moore. Uh, top 10, probably top five receiver in the NFL. Darnell Wright, who looks like a blue chip right tackle. Uh, a fourth round pick from Philadelphia because they traded down from number nine. A or Like Tyreek Stevenson. So CB2 with potential maybe to get a little better as we keep going. Um, the number one overall pick the year after that. <laughs> and also a 2025 second round pick. It's yep. an unbelievable haul yes. for that. Or like, And if you honestly, Nick, Hot, here's another weird question. Um, if Poles doesn't make that trade and instead just takes a quarterback, you're probably pretty mad at Poles just on the whole with the job he's yes. done. Yes. Like, and that's, and that's what everyone said to do. Go with the quarterback, keep guessing at quarterback, or there's going to be a bad move. So like, yeah, I think Poles needs some credit. Right. So I'm, I'm going to dive into some scenarios here. Well, it's funny we just mentioned, should they have drafted a quarterback? Because I know. we're I asking know, the yeah. question again, aren't we? So, so here's one. I want to throw this point out there. So we, we harp on the, the Minnesota game a lot, I think, with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. One thing that's interesting that I found. So Minnesota has won five of the last six games. And in four of the first five games they played this year, their opponents scored 20 points or more. So they yes. allowed a lot of points early in the season. Then they played Chicago week six. The last five weeks, only one team has scored 20 or more points against them. Totally. So they flipped the script. So if we, if so I know like Justin Fields sucked. Uh, guess what? Everyone has not played well against Minnesota right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Some, like, something to like, you know, okay, like maybe it's not just Fields. So this Justin Fields conversation, I think there's a few things to be had. And then I have some fun scenarios for you, Robert, and everybody Ooh. to see what you pick. We have to think about like winning in the NFL is not just through one lens. And I think we, people fall into this Absolutely. category too often. It's like, you have to get Patrick Mahomes and then you're going to win Super Bowls. Like well, there's true, one, there's, there's one, one Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you know? And like, how many times can you go and try to get quarterbacks and you get Zach Wilson, or even you get, you know, who, whomever at quarterback all throughout the NFL. And there's only one Patrick Mahomes. So like really right. in that category of like the quarterback's going to lift everyone and take them everywhere you need to go right i have i have mahomes and aaron Rodgers, and that's it do you have anybody else uh in that category yeah so it's sure looking like brady's in there like just oh, because... oh, oh sorry tom brady but not first round pick well yeah no if you're talking about first round pick yes. uh, so that's the thing that's the thing because i actually want to a dead or i want to add on to what you're saying yeah. everybody talks about trying to chase amazing I would actually yeah. argue that drafting a quarterback high is more about setting a floor for your quarterback play. When you take a look at number one overall picks over the la- that were quarterbacks over the last X years, let's say the last 12 years, right? Excluding Bryce Young, he's a rookie. 
Let's yeah. at least give these guys two years to show us something. Sure. Wouldn't you agree that that's probably fair? Oh, yeah, that that's fair, yeah. What's yeah. the worst you got? Baker? Like a requisite NFL quarterback? Zach Jer- Wilson? Jared Goff? He was number two. Zach Wilson was number two. Because okay. I'm talking number one overall. Number oh, I'm two, sorry. Yeah, number one. Number yep. two has been messy. You're absolutely yep. right. Yep. Like Baker, sometimes, sure. sometimes you get Wentz, which isn't even that great. Sometimes you get... Uh, sometimes you get Zach Wilson. Sometimes you got RG three. Sometimes you got Marcus Mariota. Number two has actually been a pretty bad spot to pick a quarterback. Yeah. Bears fans cry in Mitch Trubisky, right? Yep. Um, but so all this to say, Nick, that like to me, you look back at these number one overall picks. Joe Burrow may not be Patrick Mahomes, but he turned Cincinnati around. And Trevor Lawrence may not be Patrick Mahomes. But he has turned, or he has at least been the bulwark that has held Jacksonville together. Yep. Like, I would argue that that Jacksonville offensive line is so bad, borderline team killing, that if Lawrence wasn't playing the way that he was, they would be an abject, fireable disaster. Instead, they've got a perfectly amenable 6-3 and three record, and when they play a really good team, they get popped. But that's a separate conversation. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, there, there's other ones, too. Like, I mean, I'm thinking of, like, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan wasn't even considered elite, but he had a really good career and right. let him do his Super Bowl. I mean, you have, like, the Jamarcus Russells. You know, I get it. I mean, there's always going to be some like of those. But kind I think, of the one. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, in right. the modern era. Because that's the thing. You go back into the 2000s and 1990s, there are some bad first overall pick players. Yes. Yep. We we haven't really seen that. Like Kyler is a great example. If the Bears had the opportunity, this is the question I think everybody should ask. If the Bears had the opportunity to draft Kyler Murray as we have known him is like a fringe if not relatively stable top 10 quarterback. Would you take him over the mystery box that is Justin Fields with one year left on his but like rookie rookie contract and then you get into the fifth year option mess i think there are some that would i i think that the talent that we see in caleb williams and drake may is too tantalizing but that's a draft stream for another time right well well so that gets into my point here because i think like you have, this other group of, you have this other group of like the goffs and i'm gonna put not first round pick but jalen hurts in there and and purdy and dak and gino like these guys weren't first round picks sure. but like they're not Okay, and that might hurt some people's feelings about Jalen Hurts, but like these guys aren't lifting their teams. They are mm-hmm. supported. They're good by good weapons, systems, lines around them. Yes, and this goes into the whole debate of like mm-hmm. how much you need to support your young quarterback or yes. your quarterback. Like even Baker, you talked about Baker. Baker had Jarvis Lander and Odell Beckham, and it mm-hmm. didn't really work out with the Browns, but. Now, whether he matured, he's in the right system, he has two, I would say, better receivers now mm-hmm. in Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin, and he's doing okay. He's Geno do- Smith bounced around a bunch. Now he's got some good receivers and makes it work. So that gets me into this debate, okay? Yes. You have DJ Moore, and then you get Marvin Harrison Jr., and then does it almost not matter who your quarterback is? In terms of, like, it can't be... It has to be. I've worst. It could be a middling. <laughs> could be the Derek Carr-ish guys. And you have two really good receivers and your lines coming together. Is that a better scenario when you look at the NFL landscape? Because you, you talked about Joe Burrow, yes. right? Joe Burrow's got Chase and Higgins and Boyd. And is, is that like Joe Burrow's good. I'm not saying he's not good. Joe Burrow's but, definitely good. But you're but talking to the right guy to make up, this point. 
Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Because I, I am somebody that thinks that Joe Burrow is actually okay. So I think it's both. I think it's both. Don't come at me sideways. But like, I think Joe Burrow is an awesome quarterback, a great distributor, and he's not the one man army that you see some of these other quote unquote superstar quarterbacks like play at. Right. If you had a game where Burrow was throwing to Tyler Boyd as his wide receiver one, I think it gets harder. And we saw this when he was a rookie, unfair comparison, I know, where his efficiency numbers dropped in the tank. You still saw that it factor come out and they won games. But Burrow had to complete three passes instead of completing two passes the Mm -hmm. entire game. And you'd see him pass as many as 60 times throughout those games. Well, he, he, he lost last week. Right. Without T. Higgins, and he's not going to have T. Higgins tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday night. So, I mean, that's part of it too, but yeah. It's hard. And to me, the complicated part with this is that, like, I look at the Bears roster right now, Nick, and I think that there are a lot of people that are trying to talk themselves into the Bears roster being the 2022 roster. It's the 2023 roster. It's not amazing, but it's it's much better than Mm -hmm. a lot of Bears units have been. And while Marvin Harrison Jr. is outstanding, you aren't going to catch me saying a bad word about the guy. Everything that they're saying out there about him being that dude, they're right. But mm-hmm. also, the shining star that is that is Marvin Harrison Jr. is starting to shine so bright that we aren't seeing that Keon Coleman and Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze, there are some other guys that could easily be wide receiver ones, not supplementary wide receiver twos, right? Love right. me some JSN. Love me some Quentin Johnston. This last receiver class that I know it's easy for me. I love receiver to get excited about receivers. Mm-hmm. These are not those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting to just to, I mean, we're, we'll talk draft preview a lot. And then I got to get in my scenarios here is <clears throat> Malik neighbors. People, if you want a DJ Moore clone, like that's Malik neighbors. Like after the reception, he is, he is good. So, okay. So let, let's get into some scenarios here, Robert. And and listeners, if you if you're still with us, thank you because this is going to be fun. I think because we have to put into context right what Justin Fields needs to do. Oh, can I say one more thing about Fields? By the way, yeah, go ahead. One more, what? Just one more. I promise. So I listed this out a while ago, uh, and Nick, I was I promise I wasn't trying to be polarizing, but I know it was a very similar tweet to one you put out talking about Justin Fields' touchdown percentage and a couple other things. And the biggest problem to me with Fields has been a V word. It's called, you know it, volatility. The biggest issue we've seen with Fields is that rather than being a stable quarterback that just hasn't pushed the ceiling enough, instead we see a quarterback who might take the game over in a sense. Like, especially in 2022, there were some where it was a one-man band and it was great. But we see a we see a success rate that isn't in the top 25. We see a like EPA per play that I think is 25th if you don't adjust it for turnovers and then if you do adjust it like if you cap the turnover EPA loss, it rises up to 22nd. You see a sack rate that's obviously second worst in the NFL. You see like I could go through the list. You yep. know the list already. It's it's more to say that like the biggest issue we've seen with Justin Fields is a total lack of consistency. Like not just game to game, sometimes drive to drive. The yep. Denver first half versus the Denver second half. I wish there wasn't a drop off, but there was. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I can't help but look at this. And just as we're talking about it, 
these next seven games are going to tell a lot because if Fields, if Fields does play well in some of the games but remains equally volatile, I would actually argue I would rather see him play pretty darn good, even if it's not amazing, for seven games straight, right? If Fields shows that he can give the offense a foundation of this is what we can do, this is what we can't, I'm, I can dig that, Nick. Yeah. I can dig that. Like, yep. it's the parts where Fields makes DJ Moore look like DJ Moore, and everybody goes, that's Justin Fields. And I go, mm-hmm. that's the receiver. Like, and that's okay. Oh, I get it. But I just, as we talk through these scenarios, if you ever hear me picking away from Justin Fields, it's just because I want to see more consistency. Yes. We talked yep. a lot about numbers. This isn't about numbers. This is, hey, this is, no, yeah, no, and that, but that's what's good for the offense and everything. So, and again, I mean, with the line back together and everyone back healthy ish, I mean, we'll see about Kula Herbert. I mean, this is the time if you're going to be consistent, this is it. So, this is so, it. okay, for, for argument's sake, yes, everyone in these scenarios, <clears throat> if the Bears draft a rookie quarterback, assume that you are going to be trading Justin Fields for a second and a fourth round pick. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows if it's more, but just for argument's sake. And then if they trade the 101 or 102, assume you're going to be getting three future first round picks and maybe a good player. I doesn't have to be DJ Moore, but like mm-hmm. some solid type player. Okay. All right. Here we go, Robert. First scenario. Justin Fields plays the last seven games with a 100 quarterback passer rating, which, you know, takes into account the interceptions, uh-huh. doesn't sacks, but whatever. Um, and Chicago earns the first overall pick from Carolina. Jeepers. Okay. Which which do you pick? Do you trade away the one on one or do you trade away Justin Fields? So you told me you're telling me I get three future first rounders and a really good player. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Nick. Like this is this is turning ten dollars into fifty dollars. It's like a bond, but the maturing rate on it is just nasty. Like yep. there's part of me because I'm playing scenarios with you, right? That always wants to just lean towards the part where I get the the free money because yep. it's sick. But I will start by saying, because I don't want to ruin the exercise, the little work I've done on these quarterbacks, God, I love them both. I really do. Like, yeah. I did not like last year's quarterbacks. Like, I have enjoyed watching Caleb Williams and Drake May. So, mm-hmm. for me, okay, let me, let me rephrase it. You said 100 passer rating. Do we yep. get the consistent Justin Fields? Well, I think that that's what you bake into this. If it's a hundred, you think like even if it's do we one hundred five, one game ninety five. That's what I'm saying though. Is it sixty and one thirty, or did I get? Well, let's say it's one hundred every game. One hundred every game. <clears throat> How far do I have to trade down? But that doesn't matter. You get three future. I get first. three future first to go. I mean, to three. Assume, assume it's a top ten. I would I, say. Let me let me ask you this: Am I getting three first rounds to go to number three? Um, I, that's in the next scenario. Oh man. Well, well, but I get a three first round pick with you. Oh man. Oh, so let's say the first one that it's top 10. If it's top 10, uh, probably not. I'll trade, I'll take the quarterback so that I can move on to number two and say at that point, yeah, I'm sticking with fields. Okay. So so, so hold on. So the number two scenario, everyone is the same thing, but you get the one Oh three, which is Marvin Harrison jr. Basically. And at that point, honestly, Nick, at, at that point, like I would I would take fields and then I would sign a free agent I liked so that I had a like a handcuff to him, if that makes sense. Like I'm Ooh. gonna get aggressive with it. Like not if, Tyson Bajan, huh? If I got the chance to bring in, I know Bears fans are just gonna retch 
when I, they I am. I'm like, what the heck, man? But if you told me that I could do this and then I could sign Kirk Cousins, or maybe I've already signed Kirk Cousins going into the draft in this scenario, like, or something, something like How that. How dare you? I know. But competition is good. Because if you're going to do that, it's going to place a lot of importance on that 2024 season. And it just has to go well. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah, but, but Robert, so in my opinion, okay, I, I can't get on board with that because again, this is all of the scenario okay. world. Okay. Well, hold on. Let's, let's, let's keep going through the scenarios. Cause okay. I think you already spelled okay. it out, but okay. Scenario three is consistent seven games of 90 quarterback passer rating. And you get the one or one oh one or one oh two. So I assume you're going to go rookie quarterback. there. I probably am going to trade Justin Fields. Go rookie quarterback. Okay, train field. Then, yeah. then, the, then, the, then the same thing is okay. So here's here's another this one. This is the fun. kick in the balls scenario. This is a fun one. This okay, <laughs> Justin Fields is has a 90 quarterback rating for every game, and the Bears don't get the 101 or 102. <laughs> so they have to either pick the quarterback three in this class, or they have to stay with Fields. Which one are you going with? Oh man, oh man. I... So so my, Michael Penix Jr. Quinn Ewers, if he comes out, I think he's going to stay. Uh, Bo Nix. There's JJ a friend McCarthy. of mine. So I'm right now, right now, I'm a QB3 JJ McCarthy guy. And as of recording, they just had him throw eight passes against yes. Penn State. Yes. In a game that I don't really understand. Like, I get it from a football guy perspective. They never didn't have a run box advantage. So why wouldn't they continue to run the ball? And they mm -hmm. ultimately won the game. I mean, you can't fault the decision. And the interim coach is like, I, my understanding is he came from like a let's run the ball kind of background. So like yeah, he's an old line guy, I think. Exactly. So he's yeah. the guy who's like you hand him the game plan and he's going to drive the sticks into the run game. Point yeah. being, <clears throat> this one is the oh my god, what happened scenario. So 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 okay, ninety correct rating right? or JJ McCarthy, which guy are you going with? <laughs> I don't love JJ enough. The real core here, because this is this is what I think might not be coming across, is that like I look at JJ McCarthy, etc., similar to the way that I would look at Will Levis. As much as I think QB three is going to get a lot of play, I actually don't know if we're going to see more than two first round quarterbacks in this draft. Just begging I, it's going to be late first, I would think. With and those so, guys. if I was going to take QB three, uh, I would probably wait until like I would probably see if I could trade one of my first rounders not the one for MHJ down into down a little bit pick up a second rounder and see if one of the quarterbacks that I liked enough fell at that point because yeah. the Bears should come out of 2024 with a quarterback but you can lean into the depth of the class and take Jaden Daniels if that's the direction you want to go or you do not have to like it. I'm just naming names. Like no, 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 no. I, I'm going to tell you my scenario then. So that that's so okay. Then the, the last scenario here is the same thing, but Fields is an 85 passer rating, and you have to pick quarterback three. So I assume you're still going to stay with Fields there. I would still do the same thing because I think the value of quarterback at that point, if you're not yep. getting them top two, I think the value of the quarterback is in right. the second round where you're hunting for Hertz. Right. Yep. That's that's so, the aim. Carr, yep. Hertz, Levis, right. etc. So. So I'm I'm not on board with like going with um okay so we're on we're on board with there. So the Kirk Cousins or signing a vet or going with So um, to be clear, that was in conjunction with Fields. That was no, I know, I understand. Yeah. So Fields is on your team and signing a vet or bringing in Jaden Daniels or whomever else. I'm against that because 
if you're if you're gonna have two top ten picks, which they'll have no matter what here, right. and let's say you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and however else you want to go, left tackle, sure. edge, whatever. Johnny and Newton it, at that point. And it doesn't work out. Pick. And it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have a chance to get a quarterback next year. Which one? Like, okay, so I know that's a cheap shot question. You're right. I get it. But probably not. Like, it takes a bad team to get up there. Look at the Bears right now, man. Like, the Bears aren't good. Do you? Yes or no? Are the Bears good? Well, of course they're not good. They have three wins. And where are they drafting right now, if the season ended today? Five. Not quarterback place. I mean, yeah. maybe quarterback place. But, because the other weird part about quarterbacks is that this is the time of year. I want to acknowledge a logical fallacy. This is the time of year where we act like you can't get a quarterback outside the top three, except for the fact that Justin Herbert was taken at six and Tua Tagovailoa was taken at five and Josh Mahomes. Allen was taken at nine and Patrick Mahomes was taken at 10. I get, it. I get it. I get it. At the end of the day, the hardest part about quarterback is that when it's your team, you want to get this one right. When it's other people's teams, you can view quarterback in aggregate and see that it's all just all about taking shots. Like, I would argue you could take a quarterback in the second round if we really cared. I'm going to go full Kevin Cole here. I didn't think I was going to be making this point tonight, Nick. But you could draft a second-round quarterback, and then if you really were bad, you could draft a first-round quarterback anyways and immediately throw the pick away. Because while you'd be lighting a pick on fire, you'd be doing what you had to do to get quarterback correct. Would you agree the the Bears have to figure quarterback out? Like I, I just somehow. disagree with the philosophy because... Because there's two ways we talked about. There's two ways you can go about this. There are. You can you can hope Caleb Williams or Drake May or whomever is the savior, and then they're gonna win you football games or lose you football games. Or you could be Detroit Lions it or 49ers in it, where you are putting in so many picks and trading down and adding so much depth to your team. Like we had a two first round D linemen, and then next year we have two firsts, and the year after. We got two first, and we're just loading talent onto this team. And our quarterback is 15th to 20th best. I still think that you could win in the playoffs with that. I mean, you could at least win a bunch of regular season games. Like, if Mike Tomlin can go 6-3 and three in the AFC with that Steelers team, anything's possible. Like, right. I totally get what you mean. To me, it's not even about flash. It's more like if we're going to try to win a su- winning the Super Bowl is really hard. Because gist of the team that we're seeing right now is what's the best recipe to winning a Super Bowl? It's having the standout best quarterback in the league. Like, but I, I that's that, my that's, point. That, that's that's my what point. everyone's playing the same game. Why play the same no, game? Nick, I was actually trying to make the point. You're oh, I got you. Okay. First. You get me all hyped up, Robert. I'm saying there's been two of those guys that hasn't, the title hasn't moved more than once. Like, if you looked at the last 20 Super Bowl winners, and I'm going entirely off the top of my head, so forgive me yeah. if I'm wrong. There is all the Super Bowls that Tom Brady won. There's the Super Bowls that Patrick Mahomes won. And then there is no rhyme or reason to any of the other winners. Like you have Matthew Stafford leading a team that really they went all in and for once it worked. And they just got their shot against a team that maybe just was happy to be there, but also not at all in the Bengals. Then you've got Russ Wilson, who's the third round pick from God. For or for Seattle, who wins more than one Super Bowl on a stacked out team that Stack. speaks to your point. Eli, 
Like Nick Foles. Eli steals two of them. Nick Foles gets one. Like <clears throat> Ben Roethlisberger gets his. Peyton yep. Manning gets a couple. But like even then, it's like you can't just say the Bears are going to get the best quarterback possible. I'm with you. You've got to build the team up. You yep. have to. The only reason that I'm entertaining quarterback like I am is because number one, I actually like these quarterbacks. And number yeah, two, too. you don't too. have to trade up. To me, yep. Carolina is the latest reminder of a of a true fact we already know, don't we? Trading for quarterbacks almost never works. Like Well, and 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 like I'm talking about, like if you can if you can't support him, like in the Bears in this scenario, I'm 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 for both ways, by the way. Like the Bears have DJ Moore. And like even if you went quarterback, you'd have more another guy another in the pick. first 10 picks, you could add another receiver. Like you could still support him. I just I'm <clears throat> to to guess that the Bears are gonna pick the quarterback and the coach is gonna develop him correctly and it's all gonna go oh, ah, to the perfect whatever. I just don't think it's possible. So in my opinion, let's just load up on a oh. bunch of picks, make the team better, and you know what? Start making the playoffs. I like that would be better than what we've done the last year. I should have years. asked. I should have asked. Uh in all five of the scenarios that you just drew or that you just drew out for me, was Matt Eberflus fired or not? Because <laughs> this not actually this actually changes my scenario. That this actually changes all of my answers. If this was Matt Eberflus the whole time. okay. What if what if he's gone and Ben Johnson's there? If he's gone, I take the rookie in most of them. If he stays, I stick with Fields in most of them. Gotcha. Because, like, as ridiculous as it sounds, yeah, I don't trust this staff with a rookie at all. I don't want to get on this washing machine that so the Bears have been on. This sucks. I'm twisted up and dizzy. Let me off. Like, yeah. where we, we give the staff one more year as we draft a rookie, and rookies are bad. And surprise, surprise, the season goes sideways. And then the staff gets fired. Then we start over, and now you've got a rookie with bad habits. Oh my gosh, get me off this ride! Like, all right, I I got one more. I'm with you. I got one more scenario for you. Do it. Okay. So, the Bears trade back. Okay. And it's with you know, the Giants, New England. Um, who else is who else would be the team you trade back? They trade up for a quarterback for all those picks. Um, probably those two would make the most sense, right? Let's see. The list. Um, I mean, if the pa- if the if the Packers offered you the draft day four firsts, would you give it to them? No. All right. Just, just had to ask. <laughs> had to ask. <laughs> no. Maybe, maybe the Rams, but that's it. Yeah. Maybe. So so anyways, so those teams. You think of those teams, not talented. No. You you do the trade. Yes. And you try to have the number one pick three years in a row. Oh my gosh! I think it would throw up. To be honest, with you, you imagine like like polls just what if what if that's polls gift? He's like, oh, I know what team is going to suck next year. So right. I'm just going to trade. It's like fantasy football. I always try to envision oh, yeah. who's going to have the oh, bad yeah. team and I'll have their first. You mentioned this. We're actually both on the same page, Nick, where if there is one piece, one piece that's guiding me more than I want to admit, it is complete and total lack of patience. I am unreasonably impatient for the bears to start the dynasty that at least is going to be competitive. I'm not asking for the world here. I actually think it's so hard to win a super bowl that you need to plan to try to win a divisional playoff game and hope that you go on a run after that. Does that make sense? No, like I'm with you. 
you you just don't know. You can't you can't know. You can't know. You can no, try to like, know. Like the Bears planned on, okay, we had the quarterback. We'll add Khalil Mack. We got some good veterans. We won. We didn't win the divisional game, but hey, we got the young quarterback, and then it didn't work out. It's just and like then it didn't work out. Gone. Gone. And to me, Nick, if the Bears do trade down, then to me, it puts way more pressure on 2024 than it should because a trade down actually signals we're building for the future, like realistically. But I am so sick of these last, what is this? Um, 2016 was awful. 2015, I can't remember. So I'm just going to leave that there. But 2016 was bad. 2017. Why, 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 is, why is trading bad building for the future? What? Uh, because you're why? getting a whole bunch of future firsts. Like, it's not that you're yeah. not building for the now, necessarily. Right. But you're if, you're if you're telling me that we're trading back and we're stacking capital just in case we need a new quarterback, well, then I'm going to start thinking about the new quarterback because okay. I'm not convinced about the current quarterback unless he comes out swinging in these next seven games, and I'm ready for it. I'm yeah, here yeah. with open arms. I am going to tell you what I saw on the tape. <laughs> you know what I no, mean? Well, yeah, he's, he's had some short. I just think of like the Lions. Like They're totally. like, you know what? Yeah, we got a couple firsts. We got some seconds. We're going to add some guys in here. We're going to sign a couple of guys. Yes. And, it, and, and now we're there because versus like that team we just talked about with Chicago in 2018, which was Trubisky and signing a bunch of guys, totally. signing Taylor Gabriel, signing Allen Robinson, signing Hakeem Hicks, right. signing trading for Kilomack. Like they signed every, like th that team was not very built by Chicago. No. And it'd be nice just to have rookies that you built and developed into I, that. I completely agree. I completely agree. The best part about this regime so far, they still didn't trade away their future picks. So even if you spend one, one on a quarterback, you have your first round pick. You have next year's first round pick. You have all of the resources of a normal team, yep. if you will, to continue to build and stack off seasons. I mean, Roma isn't built in a day. And then if you get a good or you get a really solid staff that can turn Tyler Scott into what I thought was a stupid take. But if you can turn Dar Tyler Scott into a Darnell Mooney emulator, then like that's a huge win for your team and we mm -hmm. could get all into the weeds. But at the end of the day, Nick, I, I want the bears to become watchable. They have spent way more years out of the last, what seven where I am having to fight to watch them because yeah, they can get pretty bad out there. And I, it's so funny. You talk about these rookie quarterbacks. Cause if you put Caleb Williams on the giants, he would struggle so bad, but I would watch nearly every game. It would be exciting mm -hmm. television. And I don't know if that means it'd be good to be honest. With well, it, no, I, I get it. And here's the thing, Bears fans, like no matter the scenario, Chicago wins here because we yes. have, hopefully we'll have the top pick. We have another top 10 pick. We just talked about our line that I'm honestly right now. I think I'm rolling with Braxton Jones instead of bringing in an elite left tackle. Like you have the line outside of center. You have some defensive pieces. Like it's an exciting time or you stay with fields and then you build it more around him. Like, Either way is a win. This is where I'm at, Robert. I think mm -hmm. my threshold in terms of just quarterback rating, which mm -hmm. is a general stat of a lot of mm -hmm. overall quarterback play, and it could be up or down, whatever, but just general, he needs to have a 93 or better quarterback passer rating, or I think that we have to move on. And that's hard for me because I'm a big fields guy, but like we need, and I, I just like Drake May or Caleb Williams a lot more. The main thing that I am really struggling with with fields is stats. 
because I wish I could give you a passer rating. And if we were talking about Mac Jones, we could pick a passer rating. Is that passer rating, like a lot of things, is influenced by, basically it doesn't take into account enough the plays where Fields doesn't throw the ball. Let's agree on something, Nick. Completely agree. If you told me that Justin Fields was about to throw the ball as often as Mac Jones throws the ball, well, Fields is electric when he throws the ball. Like yep. when he throws the ball, he's sixth in the NFL in completion percentage over expectation. Like mm-hmm. when Fields throws the ball, he is in at the top of these charts that you've seen yep. pop up all over the internet of yep. fields and throwing statistics. And it's part of why people are looking at him. And they're like, oh, well, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because he throws the ball when he's holy smokes open. He throws yes. very rarely clean pocket into a tight window. Yes. They could turn into incompletions. If I was going to pick a stat, if you told me that Fields was about to be, let's set something reasonable, Nick, top 12 in EPA per play over the next, what, seven games? Like, mm-hmm. we're going to think about it. But right now, he's not in the top 20. And so right. we need to see that change. Right. I, you, you have 12 EPA. I have 93 quarterback passer rating. Where and would that- 93 put you? Let's let's take a look real fast. So, so I think right now, ooh, that's a good question. I can pull this up on Pro Football Reference as we record. Dude, I, I I use Pro Football Reference all the time. All the time. Ninety-three. That's my one. Oh my gosh! Would you believe we picked basically the same thing? Because passer rating would of ninety-three would put him just under Baker Mayfield and technically ahead of himself at fourteenth in the NFL. Where's he at right now? Uh, right now, he is at 14th in the NFL. No, no, his his quarterback passer rating 91.6, okay, which is so why a little I'm, better than he's played all year. Which is why I'm saying that what frustrates me is that I think that that number. So, like personally, if you had to say who's played better, uh, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, passer rating says it's been Fields. I would argue it's been Lawrence, and I think I think it's pretty plain. But that the team around Lawrence has actually not lived up to Fields' nature. That could be a separate conversation. I'm not trying to get into the can of worms. It's yeah, no, I mean, but but, I, but also like, there's value in throwing touchdowns, and Trevor Lawrence has not done that. No, and he Justin hasn't Fields has done that at a at, at the. Oh, second their offense can't score. No, no debating that their offense can't score like, in Jacksonville. Yeah. But the like the weird part about pass rating is that you get guys like Baker Mayfield and Sam Howell at 13th and 15th bookending Justin Fields, and it makes me go. Okay, hang on. What is this tracking? But hey, Brock Purdy, Tua Tagovailoa, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, C.J. Stroud, Justin Justin Herbert, Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. Another one we could do is right now. I'm pretty sure Fields is just outside the top 20 in PFF quarterback grade, and we could throw that in there too. Where we want to see Justin Fields be top 12 in PFF quarterback grade, if you'd like. Here, but let, let me let me look here where he's at. He is just because I want to pick some standards that sure. we don't have to move the goalposts. So on. You want you want pass you want overall or pass rating? What do you or want? Pass. So overall, he's seventeenth right now. That's right behind Gino. That's ahead of Baker actually overall. In passer rating, uh, I got to count this up. He's a he well in passer rating. He's above Watson, Jimmy G, Sam Howell, Pickett, like a bunch of bad quarterbacks he's behind Carr, tyra taylor right. jordan love Tannehill. yeah i think so it's gonna... fair to say we don't have to pick some weird number like we could pick an arbitrary number we want to see this stuff improve right yep 
And yep. and if it doesn't, that's going to suck. But the good yep. news is is that if it doesn't, the Bears are prepared. They're yes, the, they're are. one of the only teams I've ever seen in this position, Nick, where I don't have to like grip my hands so hard I bleed at the hope that something that seems maybe a little more unlikely than I want it to be is going to happen because they actually have an exit ramp here. Well, it's a win-win. No matter what happens, it's it really a win. is. But yep. So yeah, that that I mean that and and pod man, that's good. That's about that. Uh, yeah. nearly two hours of football talk for you. Oh my but gosh, two hours. Pedal to the metal the entire time. I don't know about you. I felt like the time just flew by. Yeah. Like, I, I I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that one because I mean I I mean we we put a bunch of stuff in here, um, and and I felt like we stayed on track. Less segments. Is it going in my notes? Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> Just because we we really went in depth and I really loved it. Nick, uh, when's your DFS article coming out? You're making people money. It, it, it'll be Friday. I, I've, I haven't won the last two weeks. So, hey, third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. That's what we'll and, say. And my, and my article, they were on the money. So, honestly, I need to listen to my article more. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> ah, what am I you, doing? Hey, you made everybody else money. I how I didn't kind underthink it. how I didn't underthink kind it. and then you can find me every day on the bears blog keep your eyes on this channel right here as we're going to be keep posting podcasts throughout the rest of the season obviously we're going to start to probably heat up a little bit of bears draft stuff here in a little bit i don't know what that's going to look like but as much as we are covering the bears absolutely carolina's torrid race to the finish has everybody looking at the draft and i am one of everybody so keep your eyes peeled on that thanks so much for listening and until next time everybody bear down and thanks so much for bearing with us 